G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 120 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again, episode 120. I was just contemplating that and it's been amazing, an amazing year in many ways, but uh, we started this podcast in early February uh, when Paul Ruse actually prompted me to uh, to get something going. So um, I wouldn't have thought uh, eight or nine, ten months later that I'd be uh, doing uh, my 120th episode and um, I'm so grateful for everyone that, uh, that supported this and joined in and, and listened re- uh, religiously um, to the unbelievable people that have been on. Uh, mainly men, but also now women that uh, can provide some uh, amazing content for us to be able to uh, explore and to be able to, uh, to be a, become a bit more self-aware and conscious and learn from others' uh, lived experience. And um, today I'm really grateful to have Barbara Walters on with me, who's the CEO of Rural Alive and Well, or RAW, in Tasmania. Now, they started um, mid-2000s to address male suicide issues in regional Tasmania and I was uh, down in Tassie living there at the time and uh, observed what was going on uh, within the communities, lots of issues and raw basically was formed and stepped in and employed the people to be able to get out and talk to farmers and talk to um, to men in crisis uh, primarily in, uh, in regional towns which I thought was uh, a wonderful thing and an amazing uh, thing to be able to offer and um, it's, it's terrific to see that you know some 15 years on that this is still going really, really well. And, um, you know, Barb is heading up an amazing team there and um, they continue to do great things. So I wanted to uh, to get Barb along to talk about what they're doing in, in Tassie to address uh, men's health issues, but also to, um, you know, talk about suicide and how that's sort of uh, going and how the, the numbers may be um, currently possibly with regards to that. Hopefully they've been reduced. Tassie's been... Uh, not as exposed as much as other states to the coronavirus and some of the trials and tribulations that have happened with that. So it will be interesting to get her insight on uh, on what's actually happened down there and how uh, they're going about uh, helping people to live a bit more uh, aware and conscious lives. So I'm really sure um, you're going to enjoy this conversation. I encourage you to, to share it with others. It, uh, you may feel find it helpful. So um, uh, yeah, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Just want to make special mention to our, our partners or primary partners which uh, support the podcast. So Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. So if you're lacking something in your diet, I really encourage you to check out their website. They provide organic uh, natural foods um, which are sourced from the best places all around the world which can really support our physical and mental well-being. So uh, please check them out, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, Pure Life Bakery, who provide organic sprouted bread. So when the grains in our breads are sprouted, the digestion in our body works a lot better. And when our digestion works well, our mental health works well, or better at least anyway. So really encourage you to support them. Their breads are available all around Australia, purelifebakery.com.au. Also, Macforce Australia, if you're looking for work in WA or Queensland, um, really encourage you to check them out or if you're looking to employ people in WA or Queensland or any other state primarily, they may be able to help you. So please check out their, their website. They're a great company and uh, doing wonderful things. Macforce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E dot com dot au. All right, sit back and enjoy. Uh, Barb and I going at it here. I'm sure you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Barb Walters, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks for having me. No worries. Absolute pleasure. We've, we've just had a, a, a good chat before we've uh, jumped online here and, uh, yeah, very similar um, journeys back in Tasmania and you're saying down there at the moment you're freezing cold, so it sounds like there's snow on the way. It is, down to 200 metres, so we're uh, hoping our staff can get out and about tomorrow and watching different weather warnings go off on our staff notice board, so... Um, Quite cold for November. No, uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Like um, we're in nearly summer and it's it's nearly snowing down there. So it's amazing how uh, we're all, yeah, all in this one country, but we're we're so much different uh, in climate. Absolutely, and I don't. Summer seems like a whole world away, to be honest. We've got grass up to our knees. It's been just raining for months yeah, after yeah. only coming off a drought last year. It's it's crazy how wet it's been. Mm, now we'll go deep pretty quickly here, just on the weather. 
Do you think in your observation in your time at, at Raw that, that, that the weather and the changing weather down there with regards to, you know, being cold one day, sort of nice the next, actually plays on uh, mental well-being? Uh, it certainly does, um, especially with the rain because you can't be getting out and about. You're not seeing people. It makes you dreary and you're staying inside. So um, certainly that is has an impact on connection and we're all about connection. And then obviously it also brings stress to the people we're working with in rural areas that um, obviously not enough rain causes stress and too much rain also causes stress. So it's just one extreme or the other. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? And, uh, Bob, I'd like to hear a bit about your own journey, you know, where you are. Uh, you were raised and uh, you sort of your, your pathway to your role with Raw and obviously I know you're really passionate about it and start to dive in a bit a bit about what you're doing and, and you know, the great work you're actually doing down there. Yeah, well, I grew up um, in the Fingal Valley in a little town called Avoca, which is about 45 minutes from Launceston. So in which um, I'm a daughter of a sawmiller, so my father and grandfather built the local sawmill there. Mm. Um, went off to Cameltown District High School and um, always wanted to be a police officer. So that was my goal since as long as I can, far back as I can remember. So never had any other plans other than to become a police officer. Mm. Um, so when I was 19, I'd applied for the police academy and um, didn't really have any other options at that chance stage because that's all I had planned uh, and they said look come back in a few years you're really sweet go and get some life oh, experience really? right. okay. so it was like oh okay what do you do when uh, you've never actually had any other plans that was just literally what I was going to do so even throughout my um, you know college and different things like that it was always just to go to the police force so I'd only ever really studied things that were relevant to the police force mm. and that was always my dream to be a police officer was because I always wanted to help people Mm. I always wanted to be there when times were bad. So I actually figured early on that when someone needs to have an awkward conversation, I was actually really quite comfortable being uncomfortable and being in that vulnerable space with people. So that was why I actually probably quite deep when I look back as a 41-year-old at how did I know that at 16, but mm. funny enough, I did. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened when I got that no, apart from obviously crying, thinking that my world was going to be over because I was 19 and I told that I was too sweet. Um, from there, yeah. oh, it is not. <laughs> I'd love to be told that probably now, to be honest. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, and I've certainly got the life experience since in that last 21 years. So, um, I can't even remember, to be honest, Aaron, what kind of happened after that. Um, I think I went into tourism actually. So, um, did that for a few years. Um, and then I, around about 21, I'd just gotten married to my childhood sweetheart and we've just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this week, so that's kind of a bonus. Congratulations. But, um, it's pretty rare thank these days, you. so well done. It <laughs> is very rare. People yeah. laugh and look at me going, what, did you get married as a child? And I was like, yeah, pretty much, actually, yeah. I did. Oh, really? That's great. Um, but um, I decided to go again and I went and applied back for the police academy and I actually got in this time, but something had changed. And I went, mm, yeah, no, I don't actually want to do it. Right, so you um, pulled out. I pulled out. I still have that letter, though, in my top drawer, I won't lie. And um, basically I'd pulled out at that stage because I got a bit scared. I didn't really want to see um, the bad side of life and those mm, things, you know, with yeah. trauma and different things, yeah. how life changes over time. And mm. um, my niece had just been born and I thought, I just want to look at life through this beautiful, um, you know, lens of not knowing the bad stuff. So basically mm. um, went through this little stage where I thought I was going to be an accountant, Um not sure where that actually came from, to be honest. Um, so I decided to go off and try university at about 23, 24, and then I fell pregnant with my um, daughter. So it was a really good excuse to stop the accountant, Absolutely. the commerce degree, because, like, if, yeah, once you get to know me, that <laughs> was just one of those real weird moments of what the hell am I doing? Um good. So, look, my husband and I then just had some little businesses out there at Avoca. We had a garden centre with some all crazy ideas, basically, and um, then seen on the footy show. So I'm a bit of a footy tragic, so I love football. Yeah, great. And um, seen Glenn Merton speaking 
uh, on the footy show about a charity he'd just started, White Lion, working yes. with youth at risk. And I remember still sitting there going, wow, that's something I'd like to do. Yep, I remember fast watching forward. that one too, actually. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. And um, fast forward probably only 18 months or a couple of years and uh, I had a friend call and I took a call and I was actually at home with two children. My daughter would have been two and my son had just been born and uh, she's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like at home with a new baby and, you know, at this stage I really wasn't work. I was in between jobs and just trying to work out what it is that I wanted to be. And she said, hey, I'm working at White Lion. I'd like you to come and work for me. And I'm like... What? <laughs> wow, how did this happen? So uh, I still remember that coffee with that person and she actually said, look, I need somebody to come in to be my assistant that doesn't wear a twin set and pearls and the kids won't eat alive and you're it. Mm. So um, I'd met her um, working at a Telstra call centre. Mm-hmm. So that was my journey. So for 13 years I worked my way up through at um, that organisation working with youth at risk and kids in the child protection system and, sadly, in the youth justice system. Mm. Um, started off as one or two days a week and then finished up as state manager. Unbelievable. Um, well done. And it, yeah, yeah, look, it was an amazing journey. It, it didn't finish well, sadly, and it's not something I've talked about lots, but mm. certainly uh, have learnt a lot through that experience three years on mm. and that is the importance of looking after your staff and well-being and having the right support in place so mm. yeah, sadly I wasn't looked after I can quite happily say that nationally mm. and I didn't recognize the signs I didn't know about things like burnout so although I was working in that industry of helping other people and uh, working with some children and being on that journey um, I always seen it as an honor to be able to be part of their world at their most vulnerable state so if you can, you know, someone trusts you enough to share that with you, it's it's an honour to go to work every single day. Um, through that time, my husband and I also become foster parents, so that was a nice journey for my family as well and um, we were able to welcome several different young um, kids into our lives and some of those are still around, so um, don't live with us permanently because I'm not that uh, organised, my own two teenagers <laughs> are enough on a full-time basis. But, look, it was a great, great time and um, certainly now look back and um, for someone who didn't want to go to the police force because they didn't want to see the the sad side of life, certainly mm. seeing that plus some working with yeah. kids that are in child protection for so yeah. long. Um, Absolutely. Oh, Barb, I was just going to say, Barb, everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, that decision obviously, um, you know, took you to in, into that role and how many lives you were exposed to and, and possibly changed through that time. But, you know, I understand wholeheartedly what you're talking about because I, I've been in the same situation where you're giving a lot and you're not actually looking after yourself. And that burnout's very, very real. And um, I've got to continually watch myself because I'm doing lots to help others consistently to make sure that I've got my own well-being uh, in check because if I don't have that right, then no one benefits. And um, uh, you know, I just think that we're we're so driven sometimes, and and you know, uh, the expectations of corporate life can really sweep us up, and we've got that to deal with as well as other people's energies to deal with, and that can really um, be be tricky for us. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think back now and. My son, he's about to turn 16 in February, and he was probably only about 9 or 10, and I was outside, and he said to me, he said, Mummy, do you know there's a thing called stress leave? Mm. And I said, yes, Liam, because I think you should have it. Didn't mean anything to a couple of years later, mm. um, and I think one of his friend's parents had it or something, that how much of my own children's lives I missed because I was so busy working ridiculous hours for all the other people. We were a small not-for-profit with no money nationally. Yeah. Um, I looked after my staff fiercely, like I'm a very protective leader. So I took it so seriously, their well-being, and I still pride myself on that. However, being a national organisation and when there's no one, you know, in between myself and the national organisation, there was no one, you know, looking after me or telling me to stop sending emails at 10, 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was that you're trying to do or trying to find that other $200,000 just to keep the doors open. Yep. So. Yep. You know, climbing to the top of us, um, Mount Kosciuszko three years in a row, and then I'd walk the overland track just trying to, you know, lead by example and have fundraisers. And, mm. you know, um, at the time I thought it was 
all for the right reasons and it certainly was because of the young people but yeah the impact that was having on me and then that's probably that leads me to my passion for mental health because I had no idea I had no idea that um, my tank was getting empty and it was getting empty really quickly I had no idea the impact that was having on my husband and my children and those around me and um, it was over time, I'd started going to the doctor because I noticed things were just having a different impact. So I was probably the most confident person I knew. You know, I loved going to work. I'd be up about talking about everything. Um, nothing was ever – I just loved a challenge, you know, like I was just taking on the world mm. and um, slowly started to see some cracks in that, thinking, well, this is a bit weird, but, again, didn't know where to say or what to do. Eventually I started to know, but I would be denying that there was some stuff really going on and I wasn't coping as much anymore. Like I was, you know, it was getting harder and harder to go to work. It was having to talk yourself into it and, you know, your heart would beat fast and you're starting to realise what now I know is an anxiety attacks, but at the time I didn't mm. um, for certain meetings or dealing with certain people at national level and all of those kind of things. And um, those closest to me told me, you need some help. I said, no, nah, no. Nah. My, my answer is always, yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it's all good. Um, so went off to the doctor and they suggested then that I took some time off and, of course, I, you know, no way, not going to do that, can't let the young people down. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, if I'm really honest, is that I actually didn't know what would happen if I actually told people what I was thinking. Mm. I actually thought, wow, I'll lose my job if I actually say, look, I'm not coping. I just need a break. This is not good. I don't even know what I want to be anymore. Is this what I want to do? Like, life's just too hard. I actually thought somebody would come along with white coats and lock me up in a hospital room. So you think Mm. I can't tell anyone this is true. This is just foreign to me. Mm. Until eventually, long story short, um, my very, very trusted to I see, very close friend now through that journey had to call me and say, hey, look, you can't do your job anymore, Barb. I still remember that moment, Aaron, when, you know, that person that you think, you know, you're doing everything, you're holding it together, she had the courage to call me and say, hey, you can't do your job anymore until you get help. We can, mm-hmm. you're, you're not doing it. And I was devastated. Um, but at the same time, I thank her for saving my life for that yes. phone call. Yep, yep. Had she had not had that courage to actually say something's got to give here, Barb, like this is not, you're not okay, um, I didn't know that they'd been calling management um, outside of me, you know, saying, can someone please help Barb? She's looking after all of us and looking after 200 young people across mm-hmm. the state. But no one is looking after, you know, obviously my husband and family were, but not from a work perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so look, that's basically, I guess, pivotal moment in my life and mental health, that phone call. Um, I'd like to say it got easier from there. It didn't. It got much harder. Um, and the the right changes were made, but it was a little bit too little too little too late for me and mm-hmm. um, by that stage because I hadn't got help my burnout had actually gone into depression mm-hmm. and anxiety that I actually needed to have clinical help mm-hmm. for um from there I decided that the reaction and you know the support still wasn't there even though my organization sadly after all that time was not in a position to give me the support or help that I needed mm-hmm. yeah. um I look back and actually think well actually that's just your um legal right to have that but anyway we won't dwell on (laughs) that Mm -hmm. let's hope that they've learnt too um so with that I'd lost all my confidence as well and had decided that I wasn't the right person to um continue to take the organization forward and you know look after the team and the young people so I made the very tough decision to resign um and walk away from everything Mm -hmm. Um, from there, I promised my husband and children I would never go back to a little not-for-profit. <laughs> Oops. Um, and thought, look, I don't know really what I wanted to do. I couldn't work for a few months. Um, I don't. I won't go into it because it's just still too raw. Oh, um, yeah, yeah where I literally couldn't go to get out of bed. So that was, you know, I'm not sure how you can. It was, you know, a big pull from, you know being able to stand up in front of 500 people or, you know, running events, raising $150,000 in a night to mm. I can't leave my house without making, you know, begging my 12-year-old son to come with me because I was too scared to go to, the, you know, ang- the anxiety had taken over and the depression. And yeah. um, there were certainly days and um, weeks that I was really not wanting to be on earth and suicidal and um, thank God for my husband and many other things, people that, you know, there was four or five really close people that knew really what was going on and 
a fantastic uh, clinician that I still send texts occasionally saying, hey, do we have an appointment? So, you know, that importance up until that point, I didn't even know really I, about self-care and vicarious trauma, um, all of those things because, you know, after 13 years of hearing sad stories day in, day out, the pressures, it just literally, um, I had no more fuel to give. Then I went... Uh, didn't work for a few months, then started to doubt myself as well, um, whether I would work again. And I uh, went applied for a role as a finance director, which is kind of weird because anyway, finance is not my strong point. <laughs> but it was an organisation that I knew um, quite well and it was actually the landlord of my old office. And I still remember it. I got the interview and because my anxiety was so bad, I literally went to turn the car around but my best friend former to IC had called and said how are you going getting that to that interview and she just knew she knew me so well Aaron she knew that where my mental health was at that I wouldn't have got there she literally talked to me the whole way from my half an hour drive I live out in the bush from Launceston like keep driving do not turn that car around now get out of that car (laughs) walk into that building so again without her you know basically telling me to breathe and take one foot in front of the other, I would never have walked into that interview. Mm, um, I was driving home from that interview. I, I was able to get enough strength to answer questions like an adult and I think I was, must have been okay and articulate uh, because I was driving home and they'd called and offered me the job on the Friday night. So somehow I was still enough to pull it together had they really known that I was actually sitting there thinking I'm about to run out of this building, I'm not listening to any question you're asking me because I'm just trying to work out where the nearest exit is because my anxiety was uh, just just all over. So look, went in there, um, started I think a couple of weeks later and I was, the funny story was I had actually applied a few months before that for the role at Raw. So I'd seen this role when I was deciding to leave White Line that Raw was looking for a new CEO and I thought on one of my good days I was like, oh, I could do that. I'm a country girl. I knew about Raw. They'd actually helped my dad years before in the for- when the forest industry downturns. So I was like, oh, I could see myself doing that. Then I got the letter a few weeks later saying thank you, um, but the applicator, you know, was a really strong field and, uh, mm. you know, but thanks, but no thanks. So I didn't even get an interview. So that was kind of part of that whole, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to work again. Like, what have I done? Like, mm. you know, I was devastated. Mm. And then I was went to this other role and I really got to stick my teeth into it because there was some um, poor culture stuff going on and stuff I could identify. And suddenly I had some control back. So it's an amazing how when you can start making a difference again, of how well you can um, start to recover. So after I'd been there for about eight weeks, um, met some amazing people but were able just to set myself little goals every day, uh, I started noticing that I was feeling a little bit stronger. Um, you know, it was still not easy but it was easier than um, when I was sick and couldn't get out of bed. So I'd made, you know, big steps in a short period of time from, um, you know, needing a 10-year-old or 12-year-old to come to the supermarket with me just to be able to do it to actually going to work. Um, and then I actually had this random phone call from Rock, um, from one of the board members saying, hey, you applied for a job for, with us and uh, I think I was very cheeky and said, oh, yeah, you didn't bother to even interview me. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) they said, yeah, things have changed. We really would like to. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, look, I have actually got another job. I really like this job. Um, But I really kind of thought, you know, that bar in the belly to still work for Raw was there. And I had a couple of close friends said, no, they didn't even bother. Don't don't give them the time. (laughs) Hey, luckily I didn't listen to that friend this time. And I said, look, I'm going to go to the interview. Like, what have I got to lose? Let's just go to the interview, see what happens. Probably won't even get it because it's a CEO job. You know, where am I at? Like, who am I kidding? So then I had that conversation with my husband and kids that, hey, I think I might apply for this or, you know, at least attempt to go to the interview. And they said, oh, I thought we weren't look- working for another not-for-profit. Um, I was like, oh, well, let's just see. Um, yeah, so then fast forward a couple of weeks and went to the interview and met with the board. Um, I told my other new boss about the role because honesty and integrity is really important to me and I couldn't lie when you're only been somewhere for eight or nine weeks saying, hey, I just need an appointment. I was like, hey, this job is kind of quite important to me. Um, and the rest is history. So then Raw called me to say, actually, come along. And I started at Raw a couple of weeks later and that was August 2019. So pretty much a year 
the date when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and burnout. Um, took on a CEO role. Crazy, aren't I? <laughs> Jeez, Barb, that is so amazing. I really, really congratulate you for sharing all that with, with me and, and everyone that's listening because what I'm hearing there is like this role is perfect for you because you have the lived experience to be able to understand others, which is very rare in a CEO to, to start with because you, you, you know what others go through and uh, you know you know it because you've lived it personally. But uh, there's so much that's, that's come to me from, from, from your words there. And, um, you know, I, I'm very passionate about staff well-being. I, 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 I learned years ago that um, I need to look after myself because if I could, didn't do that, then no one benefits. And um, I gave a lot just like you. I got burned out quite a few times. It nearly took me to suicide and those sorts of things too. And, um, you know, managing large groups of people where you're trying to give all the time and your nervous system cannot handle that. But we're so driven from when we're at school to achieve and then we go into adult life and it's all about achieving and doing these things that give us status. But at the same time, uh, our, our nervous system uh, and our cells and our body are <laughs> sort of working against us and eventually we crash. And, you know, there's such a, a, an important lesson to, um, to hear from, from what you went through because it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. If you've got your foot on the pedal consistently and your amygdala is on, which is a big part of your brain, which is basically driving that, um, uh, that, that sense of achievement and, and, and not being able to switch off, then eventually the body says, well, hang on, there's something going on here. We're going to uh, give you a kick up the backside, whether that be something that happens physically or mentally. And that's when anxiety and depression kicks in, then the self-doubt comes and all that type of stuff. Absolutely. And then add on there that um, I was running a fo- junior football club, the biggest in the north of the state. So mm. loved it, you know. So pretty much two full-time jobs um, yeah. in hindsight. You look back and you go, wow. But I then um, I, 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 resi- oh, I stepped down from that this year. So just on that journey before we start chatting about Raw, um, I took off pretty quick again because that's what I do really, really well. Mm-hmm. when I started yeah. here quite quickly and it was probably only the start of this year that there was a crack starting to show again I was like oh but this time I knew so I didn't need to have that awkward conversation with a staff member saying hey you're not well it was actually me going hey and it was actually speaking with I was doing some training with my team here at Raw and we were talking about having the hard conversations and the preventative stuff that we do with our clients and people around the state and I thought I went home that night and I thought mm, am I practicing what we're preaching mm. no I'm not so mm. I let my husband know that you know what I've actually become unwell again because yeah. I wasn't prepared to deal with it. I'd lost a really close friend um, over summer unexpectedly um, and that just kind of changed everything where you're like, oh, gosh, I'm, you know, and obviously normal grief is hard enough to cope with, but it was that um, point. And so from there I made the tough decision to step down from the footy club role and that was something that, you know, I'd probably thrown myself into because it was my happy place and it was yeah, safe and you know, with all of the other stuff, but something had to give. But since then... Um, and I finally went back to my psych and I said, I can't run anymore. And she kind of laughed without laughing at me and she said, I knew this was happening. I said, I've just been putting Band-Aids on it yeah. for years, you know, since I've known instead of fixing and actually really implementing change. I'd implemented enough to keep myself safe but not enough to actually get to a point where I can now talk to you, Aaron, and share my journey. I couldn't have shared my journey 12 months ago because I would have cried yeah. the whole time because I was still oh. living it. Whereas now, I'm happy to say I go to work, I go home, I've got gardens that I've never seen because I've been too busy in doing mind. everything else. Yep. I'm really happy with this success is whole, a whole different thing. Like I look around my office now and I've got awards on the wall and you know what, they don't mean, they're not, I don't say they're not something I'm proud of, I am, but they are, do, don't bring me that same joy that I thought that that meant something, whereas I go home and see my plants or hang out with my husband and my teenagers. That is what true happiness and success mm. actually is. And I've spent so long looking for something else yes. over the last 20 years that I completely, and I'm guessing you probably went the same, I went in the wrong direction. And I'm now telling my high-achieving 17-year-old daughter, hey, it really doesn't matter what you do, kiddo, just enjoy it. Seriously, yeah. don't take life so seriously yeah. um, because it's just you don't need to. Just enjoy it and um, look for the simple things and be around people that make you happy. And she's like, no, Mum, I have to do it. And it's like, yeah. don't just trust me. 
It's amazing, Barb. Like, I, I wrote a book about my own journey and, and what you just talked about is exactly what's in the book because it all happened to me as well, you know, and I, I hit that stage at like 37 and, um, you know, just, just through that and, and, and changing and diverting, you've got so much more power to be able to help your kids, to be able to help other people, to be able to help, you know, people in regional areas in Tasmania and beyond because you understand, you know, you understand and... and we, we've discussed the importance of prehabilitation as being so much more powerful than rehabilitation, you know, to be able to give people tools to settle the mind down so, you know, you can be a bit more aware and you're seeing the plants, like you said, rather than walking straight past them because you're too busy in the mind. Um, mm. And really, you know, to appreciate now in modern society that life's totally changed than what it was like years ago. Um, to be able to find that balance is so important. So I really congratulate you all board for employing you and also, you know, supporting you because they know a true leader needs support. And if they've got someone in place that uh, that is really passionate about what they do, they can't take that for granted. They need to be able to support the individual and that way the individual will flourish and so many people benefit from that rather than a stressed out leader that's not really present at the end of the day. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, um, Sorry, I just forgot where I was going to go with that, actually. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get into that. Oh, I hope I'm really good. I think what you... It happens when you turn 40. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you there, and that's why I talk to my plants. My husband keeps looking at me going, yeah, are you okay? Um, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We were going on such a good roll, too, yeah, weren't right. we? <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Yeah, no, no. Um, so, 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 yeah, look, look, Bob. What happens in modern society, like my, my big thing now is like meditation. I practice meditation every day and uh, yoga and all that. So I was, let's use the yin and yang philosophy. I was so yang for so long like you uh, without, without slowing down. And unless we slow down and do the things that actually like are helping us to become more level, that's not watching TV because that's still giving us stimulation. It's finding time in nature, mucking around with your plants, getting out for walks, you know, so you're disconnected from all the technology I think is so important in modern society. And, um, um, you know, if you're going home and you're answering your emails at 10, 11 o'clock at night like you were, then eventually you're going to have disease, you know, physically or mentally, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, you know. So I just think the smart way to approach mental health in the future is to be proactive rather than reactive and help people with the tools and solutions to be able to balance that and when when reactions needed and to provide the support to um to help the individual but if we can be more aware on how we can step up and and help others and give them the tools which can help them i think that's really um really needed in modern society would you agree yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, when you were saying, too, it's around that prevention and making sure, and my own experience here was that I was looking at some of the key messaging and how we were, um, you know, offering the services of Raw that has a long history and a brilliant um, background as an organisation. But we're really, really focused on the critical end, the crisis end, and talking about, you know, um, helping people through tough times. And Mm. I was able to draw on my own experience um, when I came here going, yeah, but that also isolates some people because I did some obviously mental health training as well and um, we've got brilliant trainers here at Raw, but they were talking a lot about, you know, when you were suffering from depression and anxiety that you'll be, you know, um, you're not looking after yourself and your hygiene and everything changes. And that's right for some people. Mm. But what I was realising is that, People like myself, no one knew, Aaron. No one knew. Nothing changed. Only I changed internally and I just got more and more lonely, more and more isolated, more and more suicidal because Mm. I wasn't your typical person that looked like they should be depressed or could be because I had a perfectly good house. I had Mm. a husband, you know, and two kids and all that kind of like a Robin Williams type thing and certainly not Robin Williams, but you know Mm. how he had so much flack after he died because I was like, what? How does that happen? Well, and I actually, um, we had to design a T-shirt as one of my early days at Raw in some training about what does depression look like? And I actually changed, you know, the face and I actually said nothing. It doesn't look like anything sometimes. It's internal. Mm. And my trainer went, wow, Bob, you've kind of got lived experience, don't you? And I was like, yeah, can we just stop finding that everyone is going to be crying in the corner and those kind of things? Sometimes you actually get busier because you're hiding it, you know, and sometimes you may talk more and you still may be up on that stage and dealing with everyone else's problems. Please don't assume. Or drinking or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 
um, so we changed things and I said, and also you feel bad then if you're going to say, hey, look, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, with that guilt and that stigma that why we're using words like we're here to help people through tough times. What is tough times? Like, yeah. I hate that. Yes. Because your tough time might be different than my tough time, whereas now we've changed our language around we're building healthy and resilient um, communities and individuals and we um, uh, uh, an awareness uh, activity we're doing is our Fast Five and that's something I'm really proud of that I was part of the design and that's fitter and stronger today both physically and mentally ready for really anything that life throws you because I think that incorporates everyone Aaron instead of just assuming that you have to be millions of dollars in debt or whatever it might be your stuff is relevant to you and therefore your reaction is relevant to you and you're worthy and if you're not coping or something's not working we can still help you let's not just make it for those people that you know too many people are missing out on getting help because they don't think they're sick enough because they don't know how sick they can be yes absolutely that's exactly right and geez uh i'm so grateful for this conversation because look bob you 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 know now that um that that realistically yeah, we're very reactive in this society and everyone is not the same. Everyone's got a unique journey, you know. Just because that, that, that guy's drinking too much, we can't put him in a box like we do others or, or whatever. Sorry, there's, some, there's a bit of an echo happening there. <laughs> Absolutely, and I was taught this, I think it was um, by my psych maybe and one of the questions i couldn't understand was well you know what is resilience and why can't i cope i've always coped and she explained it that like a rubber band and i was like huh and she said sometimes you get those really little rubber bands that you can put you know your hair in thousands of plaits and you can't stretch that very far and that's one person you know because i could never work out why i was the only you know you asking people to do things and helping out and they'd be like oh no sorry i'm too busy or i can't cope and you're like really compare your you know and i learned not to compare my life or my resilience to other people as well because i've probably been lucky enough to be one of those bigger rubber bands you know the big thick ones that you can do things and that's where for so long i was able to um kind of stretch and you know make myself go further and further but everything has a breaking point it's just you know and everyone's a different size rubber band of what their flexibility and resilience looks like but every single um, place that has a breaking point not everyone will ever find it because hopefully they've only used their rubber band to its actual capacity unlike myself and you who suffered from burnout mm. we obviously took our rubber band too far and it snapped so yeah. i can't that was my, one of the best learnings i think i'm grateful for now is looking back and realizing you know what don't judge other people because we don't know what's going on for other people or what might be happening if someone says no hey i can't do that I was resentful because I was wishing that I had the courage to say no because I just had thought you had to say yes. So then I'd be like, oh, gosh, why can't people do more to help? Mm. Well, good on them because, you know what, they were probably already seeing their plans. Mm, that's <laughs> they true. probably didn't need to break exactly. because they're already going, yeah, no, I don't want to help. I don't want to help your footy club bake sale. I don't worry. I'm actually just doing this. Whereas I'd be like, oh, good. Everyone mm. else just leave it to us. Yes. Well, they were probably the smart ones. <laughs> did, did you know what, Barb? Like, I'll just share something with you. On Wednesday, I was doing a presentation at Maryborough Prison to 100 men. Mm. Uh, and uh, before I went on and had a chat, I was standing next to a, a senior correctional officer and there was a couple of birds flying around in the room, right? And there was about half a dozen guys that kept their eyes on those birds the whole time. The rest uh, were agitated and mucking around and talking like school kids primarily. <laughs> But I said, if I'm employing people, I want to employ those guys because they're present. You know, they're 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 with the plants, as you said. You know, they're yep. not they're not dominated by all the thoughts and distractions and so forth that go on. And we 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 hide that consistently. You know, um, as I mentioned with booze or whatever that may be, if it's a man or other things or more work, you know, to be able to to mask it. But at the end of the day. Those guys, and like you, you come to that realisation that when you are present, your mind is settled. You're not going on to the next thing or your mind's not taking into the past consistently. And, and there's skills that we need to be able to help people with, you know. Um, you know, I, I talk about ancient uh, wisdom, but also Eastern cultures quite a bit and what they know about the mind and you know, how to be able to settle the mind and those sorts of things. And I just think some of those tools are really relevant in modern society today because that just gets your nervous system back to balance again. And you, you are in that calm, natural state, which is our natural state of being, I guess, at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, when we're dominated yes. by, by all the... Um, 
the the artificial or the um, the expectations that the, the society has on us, then we're not really able to be in that calm, natural state. So. I just think on a daily basis, if we can help people find what that is for them and be able to you know, come home to that, whether that be you know, in the garden or doing something which helps them feel settled and happy, then that's a great way to be able to proactively manage mental well-being into the future. Sure is. In our Fast Five that I um, referred to a second ago, we're actually going out and the Fast Five are five things you can do and it's exactly what you're talking about, Aaron. So the first one we go in and we're doing this in shearing sheds across the state. We've done this. Um, we can do it on a wharf. Basically, it is not a PowerPoint in sight. Raw doesn't really, we're not, our team aren't, we're around being genuine and authentic so you won't see us with a PowerPoint. Right. We'll literally go in and talk and want to just yep. be ourselves and be approachable and many of our staff, my staff have lived experience and know. So the fast five for us uh, is mind so we talk about mindfulness and yoga and just finding something and we had one farmer say look I just go for a walk and just focus on one piece of grass and that resets yeah. me and I was like that's exactly right yeah. it's amazing how many people think that to be mindful you've kind of got to be Shirley Gilroy on our country practice sitting in a pyramid and humming yes. and we're yeah. going no yeah. it's actually not it's just about resetting and thinking about one thing so it's exciting when we've got big burly shearers starting to listen to us about mind and just taking that moment just yeah. a moment a day is a good start so yeah we do a lot of um again just give examples but make it relevant to the group we're talking to um, then we talk about mood and what is it that makes you, you know, what improves your mood and obviously music comes to mind for me and music's a good one. But everyone has different different things that improves their mind and then the third part of our Fast Five is meaning and what are you grateful for and what's your meaning, what, what's your why and um, we're finding, again, this is resonating with everyone that Raw works with across Tassie and we can't keep up with demand at the moment. The other one is, the fourth one is connection. When was the last time you put down your phone and actually sat down with your friends mm. or someone important to you and had a laugh, like a proper laugh, you know, put away the mobile phones and the Zoom meetings, which have been amazing through COVID, haven't they, and we've had to connect that way. But what we've actually lost is body language and being able to feel... Um, you know, see that and be actually connected to somebody. So we're really um, pushing that whole go and have dinner or go to the whatever, the local footy club with your mates, actually have real connection and put yeah. your device away. Um, it doesn't count, um, you yeah. know, as a tick box for your connection. And then the last but not least, we talk about body. And that's around, you know, if you put bad fuel in your tractor, it's not going to work really well. Um, so let's make sure we're putting you know, um, good fuel in our bodies and getting enough sleep because all of these things then have an impact on your day-to-day -day work. And what we're saying, if you can just get these five things okay and better version, we're not saying don't drink if that's what you do, but just drink less or, you know, get more sleep, all of those things that you'll be a little bit better prepared for when the crack hits the fan, basically. So mm, well there, that's one of the things we're all doing. That's awesome, Bob. Like you've hit on some really important things there, but the last one, sleep, really that's the pillar that all the other levels of health ride upon. And um, you know, if you're drinking too much or you're worrying too much or whatever, then your sleep's going to be interrupted. So to do those other four levels of or those four pillars that you've mentioned, like that'll actually help enhance and support your sleep, I guess. Yes, absolutely. And a fast fact that I've only learnt since we've designed this fast five the raw fast five is less than five hours sleep is equates to 0.5 on the breathalyzer. So from a farm perspective or anywhere, you know, operating heavy machinery, you're actually endangering yourself and your um, colleagues and your mates because you're actually not realising that your fatigue is actually the same reaction times and things as if you were actually under the influence. So what we're finding is to... Uh, businesses and employees are taking us at this all really seriously now and then looking at our wellbeing programs we offer because they're going hey that's why my workers comps up you know and physical injury because which one comes first physical or mental they're actually all linked you can't differentiate so yeah we're finding that that's really really important and also now that we're sharing it in work groups we're saying to the guys you know driving out to the logging coop or wherever it might be if if your mate's got a little baby for instance and he's helping out his partner at home overnight he's a bit how about you drive and let him have a sleep yeah. like how do we look after each other and understand be kind but also just be you know like really taking on board and being empathetic to other people's lifestyles some people may not quite be able to get that 
you know, sleep right through. Maybe they live on a really noisy street or something. So how can you help them? Because it's everyone's job to look after each other and if we all kind of just give a little bit, it's making someone else's journey that little bit easier. Mm, it's, that's true. And really, as humans, we're meant to be doing that, aren't we? Like supporting each other. The ancient tribes in you know Australia and other parts of the world, that's what everyone did, you know. Someone was, wasn't really separate from the community and... That's really all a man wants or all a woman wants is to be connected and, and supported. And when we lose that, we, we get isolated and that's when the mental health challenges start to, to occur, particularly in rural communities and regional communities because you know, we can slip away from that pretty quickly. And it's no different than you in your job where you, you probably did isolate yourself because you were working so hard, you know, and you were disconnected from all the other things um, that, that, that may have been able to support you, you know, and we get tunnel vision, I guess, after a while. And, you know, if you've got those, 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 those five areas, like you said, sort of working coherently, then all of a sudden you have got a good foundation for well-being. Yeah, and you're ready. And like we said, you're fitter and stronger for those challenges that life will throw at you. And gosh, I wish I had known about those five things when I was going through my burnout, because if yeah. I had have probably had those things in order, I'm not, it would have still happened because of the way, you know, the habits I was doing, it won't, but it would have made um, my recovery a lot quicker and maybe I wouldn't have, you know, fallen so far to have to build myself back up. So, um, yeah, so that's just one of the things that we're always working on, as you said there, and changing our language and also really um, making sure that we're looking after our team. Um, I have around 22 amazing staff across the state and we're making sure we have lots of fun and you know there's lots of elements and layers of support for those guys because um i can make sure that's happening as the ceo obviously and around supervision but the fun is the key element for us and we work on our values and our behaviors together so that we all own them and um it's some really heavy stuff that my team are out and about and you know working with people at their most vulnerable moments and um I don't want to be seeing my team affected by vicarious trauma in an adverse way. Mm, So that's why we're, you know, making sure that the workplace and you can come into an office and there's the support you need, but also just the bit of lighthearted fun and just making it so that we're actually on this um, journey together. And um, it's working out really well at the moment. And and you need to be congratulated for including the workplace and and something that I'm I'm really passionate about because the workplace has got a great opportunity to be able to support someone's well-being inside and out of the uh, the workplace. And, you know, I just think we've been so reactive at work for so long, you know, fix them or give them something when they're stressed or they're they're injured you know there's health and safety there for that there's uh the eap for someone that's you know um got some stuff going on but if you've got a good fun proactive workplace that can provide interventions which are supportive i think that's really really important and you know it comes from many years of uh working in labor hire like supplying lots of organizations with lots of people and and observing that there weren't many employers doing that really well or not at all, you know, and um, there's a few starting to embrace this now. But if you can provide a culture which is supportive and people feel like they, they, they want to be there, they don't leave, they're happy, they go home happy, there's so much benefit from that, you know, and I just think we're at a really good moment in time to be able to start to do more in that space to, to help workplaces, um, you know, be more proactive than reactive, as I mentioned. And, um, um, you know, that, that goes for both men and women and, you know, whether it's in an office or in a shearing shed or on a, on a farm or whatever it may be, you know, we all, we all need that support and we do go through self-doubt and all the emotional stuff uh, comes up when we're isolated and those sorts of things. But I just think there's so much to learn in, in, in what you're doing with Raw and, and the 22 people that you look after because you're creating something which is enjoyable. And, uh, and really, when you're in that space, um, you, your life can be uh, amazing and you, you, you achieve so much more, um, uh, not only at work, but all the people that, that your staff are interacting with get the benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with... Another program we've got going, and it's exactly that, is our raw workplace, which started off as our accredited training. So we do mental health first aid um, training that's accredited and other things. And over the last couple of months, we started to develop an actual wellbeing program. And only Friday, um, I was with our workplace manager and we're signing up a really big organisation down here in Tassie. And 
basically it's so exciting, Aaron, because these organisations are realising that exactly what you and I have been talking about and they're now um, going into a commercial agreement with Roar and one of our workers are going to be on site once a fortnight um, in this it's kind of in heavy industry. They were then, just to build relationships, we're not going to be talking about training for the first year. It's about culture and making people actually feel comfortable. We're going to have co-branded shirts on, so we match. Our staff members are going to learn about their business. So then people actually know that they understand because where does the line start and finish? And we've been chatting, I've been chatting with the CEO of that, that organisation of what is a workplace stressor and what is a family stressor? Which one comes first? Is it the stress at work that you then take home and you start drinking and having financial problems at home or relationship issues and, you know, think breakdowns with your relationships with your kids? Mm. Or did that happen and then you take that to work? Who knows? Yes. We don't. We all know that we spend so much time between two that if we can get things working for people, it's going to help either side. So what we're able to do is our workplace team are going to go in, also provide toolbox talks once a month on all the different issues like gambling and family violence, alcohol and drugs, whatever it is that is um, relevant and tailored to that workplace because everyone's different and different cohorts have different issues, don't they, in different areas of the state. So we'll do that and then as we go through, we upskill the team leaders so that it becomes a self-sufficient type workforce and eventually we train peer leaders and we've been doing this at Bell Bay Aluminium for the last three years and they've just won a WorkSafe Tasmania Award for the program we do with them. And then we train up their own staff to be the peer support workers. We then support them, but then they then support. Because you know what? Suicide prevention is actually everybody's job. Yeah. It can't be just roars or, you know, outback uh, minds. We all have to be training each other to look out for the signs and then just help each other. Mm. So we're really excited to be in workplaces too where we can help the workplaces become self-sustainable to be keeping their people safe. So yeah, that is starting to take off across the state. So we are um, going, okay, this is brilliant. Um, now, how, okay, how do we uh, resource it? But our other big key element to that is we'll only send people in that actually have that same experience in that workforce because we actually know it's pretty hard unless you've worked in a heavy industry to really understand what it's like to work. So you've got to be relevant. Mm. to the people and then same as our uh, stay afloat and our uh, which is our fishing industry program and that's run by a fisherman he's off the boats we taught him everything he needs to know about mental health and prevention but he can go onto a boat and talk to a fisherman he understands mm. quotas he knows what he's talking about because he's been out to sea um, we also have a new forest industry program cutting through that is a guy that's worked for the last 30 years in the forest industry mm. so Raw's really passionate about making sure that, you know, the staff members that we put into these businesses for our workplace component actually uh, have some kind of actual authentic link back to it so that you can build that relationship and um, start making inroads. So, yeah, that's kind of a little snapshot of what we're doing. <laughs> that's unbelievable, Barb. You, you've, you've really landed on your feet and, um, you know, there's so much that's, that's going to come from that. Uh, you know, that, that journey that you've been through and, and obviously what you're creating there. I want to know what are you doing now to look after yourself on a daily basis? Look, I shut off from work. Obviously, if my team need me, we do have a 24-hour um, phone line, so um, they know to call because that, that's important. Um, I've taken up gardening and I have houseplants. Oh, my gosh, that's like my new hobby. <laughs> but um, I no longer have a footy club to run, but... I'm really just enjoying being a wife and a mum, and I shouldn't say just because I've always had so much respect for people that can do that. Mm. Um, I've got like a tidy house and stuff. I'm actually house proud and all these kind of things. So I'm just really enjoying the simple life is my balance. So once I finish work, um, I don't do my emails. I have a rule here and my staff that are still here that um, have been with Raw for a little while are really, really pleased with that, that it's a very rare occurrence and my execs um, know the rule as well. We do not send emails after hours. Six, seven o'clock's okay because sometimes long days. Other than that, do not start it. Like, save it if you want to work and you send it the next day because then that perpetuates where the person feels like they have to respond, especially from when it's a leader. And then before you know it, all your team's working at seven, eight o'clock at night or later. And then that becomes habit. So I'm really strict on we don't do that um, and we make sure that we take time, um, you know, within the workplace. But I have really clear boundaries now, Aaron, of, yeah, um, you know, my time and work time. I still go above and beyond, but mm -hmm. certainly with a lot uh, more, more strategic, sensible and uh, more sustainable approach than the uh, head first that Barb used to yeah, work used like. To <laughs> that's right. But, you know, Barb, that, that's so great, you know, and, 
I, I, I sort of, I knew when I was younger that I had to go through all the shit to get to where I truly needed to be or wanted to be. And, you know, I could have went and done an MBA and done all that sort of stuff and, you know, maybe not have, have, have had the lived experience or been aware, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm helping a few guys now that are sort of my age or younger that are really hitting serious burnout, you know, and being able to sort of, you know, have the conversation like we've just had about the importance of getting back to self again. And, you know, and for some for some guys, it's as simple as maybe getting a couple of walks around a block once a week or it's it's finding those things that used to find uh, give them joy when they were kids and, and coming back to those simple little things again, you know, just so they can start to relearn because they've been so dominated by by their work or, um, you know, everything else around that, I guess. And, you know, marriages have failed and my marriage failed years ago because I was in that zone, you know, and I wasn't giving... Um, enough time to my wife and you know when I when I was there I wasn't present because my mind was always on work and, and that's not great and there's no there's no prizes for that you know um we, no. we we think we've got to work hard because there's rewards but there's no rewards at the end of the day you know so being able to to find what's really important to us individuals and make that our, our base um I think um you know really really um needed uh and you know the more people that you guys can connect with and, and help them with that i think that's great and i really commend you for the wonderful work you're doing and you know spreading out not just from farming and rural but into the water and into forestry and other industries that need that help absolutely and look we'll keep growing and um hope to see our programs replicated um you know nationally as well we're starting to get our model where we really can do it further and you're so right um you really just got to look at what is really important to you as an individual and remember that, you know, it's just a job and you can still take it very serious, but make sure that you've got all those other things in balance, as we said, with the fast five, with your mind, me, and your meaning is really, really important. Get that right and then your mind and mood and sleep and diet and then your connection and um, you're certainly going to be a better version of yourself. I know I'm certainly... Um, probably feeling better than I felt now for seven or eight years because I was on that downhill sli- slide that I didn't realise I was on. You know, obviously you hit the bottom, but there was a time that you get to the top and then you start sliding down. But, um, you know, and it's about being able to say no and no, I don't want to do that. And that's okay, being a little bit selfish mm. um, and working out what it is that makes you happy rather than trying to make everyone else mm. happy all the time. Agree. Hundred percent and uh, absolutely well said, Barb. I'm so grateful for this chat. How can people uh, reach out to you if they wanted to touch base and um, say hello or introduce themselves, or maybe uh, just connect um, with regards to some of the programs and that you, you guys are doing? Absolutely, we've got a uh, our Raw Connect program, aptly named, isn't it? it is. um, and that is the old um, Raw Helpmate, but it's now Raw Connect because that's once we want to be able to give people the right information at the right time. We know a lot of the time people reach out for help, and you know the mental health space, as you and I know, is a maze. Like, oh my gosh, trying to find the right people or who to talk to, all of that, it just gets too hard. So you walk away. So by calling Raw Connect um, on one three hundred four three five seven six two eight three, you'll speak to one of our staff members twenty four seven, and then they can direct you and um, give you whatever help that you may need. Mm, unreal! That that's so good. It's it's amazing. I watched the Raw journey from the start years ago, and I loved it because I come from a farming background. I saw it happen in Tasmania. and I thought this is so good. You know, it, it should be really operating. Um, you know, elsewhere too, and. Uh, I know we're going to have more chats about that possibly, but I just yes. it's, it's, it's so, so needed, Barb, and there's so much good that we can, we can provide and, you know, the, the early intervention that we can, that we can um, you know, bring into people's lives is, um, is uh, much needed and, and so important and, you know, with the world, um, you know, more dominated than, than ever with regards to stimulation and distraction, you know, to be able to give people... The ability to, to be more self-aware and, and give them tools, I think, um, you know, is, is, is really, really important. And, you know, the further reach you can have with that, the better. So, um, so grateful for your time, Barb. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping Thanks for people, having me. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. I only um, introduced uh, ladies coming onto this podcast um, after I did 100 episodes. And I'm really, really happy and grateful that I've done that because... Um, 
there's so much more wisdom uh, in, from from other perspectives, which can you know really help uh, you know really help empower other other people's lives. And I know there's lots of women that listen to this podcast as well as men too. Um, so you know, I just think this conversation today has been groundbreaking in many ways and there's lots to uh, lots to learn from from what you've gone through but also you know the great stuff you're going to be doing in the future so i really thank you for that no thank you and look it's timely when you said that about the women i'll finish off with that the raw logo now doesn't only have man and that tipping his hat it actually has a female and a dog because we want to be inclusive because although primarily still uh, 70% of the people we support at Raw are still men and most likely always will be given the industries we work in. However, we also need to recognise the importance of the females within their lives, whether it's mums, sisters, partners, whatever it is as well, so that they're often the ones that are seeing the uh, triggers first and, you know, the signs. So hence why we've added the the female um and the dog's kind of cool i'm not sure we talked to dogs yet but you know there is a bit of a push for some dog therapy as well but um i think it's really important to be you know talking to the whole community so that we can all be looking after each other yeah agree that's why i i I changed and doing the things that i'm doing here too and yeah you know it's just the start of this i'm sort of trying to uh i've done this for for um, you know, uh, to support um, to support people, and it's time for me to step up and start to do it more uh, holistically and, and create a, a greater reach. So um, yeah, Barbara, I'm, I'm I'm yeah, I'm sure we're gonna have further chats about that. So thank you very much for your time. You better go and have your dinner. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening in, guys. Uh, I really I hope you enjoyed. What a, what an amazing lady and amazing conversation and. So, um, yeah, so proud of Barb to, uh, for be able to be able to share her own journey there and uh, what she actually went through. Um, it's, it's very common, uh, whether you're an executive, someone in a high role, or you're just uh, um, a man or woman in, in everyday life, you know, that burnout thing is really real. Um, and unless we're aware of, of, our, um, uh, of our emotional state and where that's actually going, whether we've got our foot in the pedal too hard, like um, what Barb had and, and I had, um, we've got to continue to watch ourselves to make sure that doesn't happen. So lots of wisdom in that uh, in that there, that's for sure. So appreciate your feedback. Uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, please uh, send me an email, support at backmind.com.au. If you want to connect with Barb, maybe uh, touch base with her on LinkedIn, uh, Barb Walters on there, and also follow Rural Life and Well uh, and sort of help out their work. If you want to make a donation to them or... Um, you know, reach out to them. I really uh, think they'd appreciate that. So appreciate you listening in and uh, looking forward to more awesome guests coming along soon. So please share the podcast with others and uh, spread the word. Thank you very much. Cheers.